It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hey there, Dr. Ross Green here. I'm being joined by my co-host, Susie Port. Time for another edition of Parenting Your Challenging Child. We do this every Monday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Susie, how are you today? I'm good. How are you, Dr. Green? I am well. Had a wonderful group in Lethbridge, Alberta last week for an advanced training and looking forward to being in um, Winnipeg, Manitoba this week, covering the Canadian provinces pretty well this month. Um, And then there's Saskatoon and Toronto coming up. So there's four provinces um, and Prince Edward Island is coming up, so there's five. Goodness. Um, how are you today? I am good, and we have an exciting new website to talk about. We do. The Lives in the Balance website has been completely revised. We are getting mostly very positive feedback on it. I'm hoping people are finding their way around. There's a ton of new stuff on it, including our two-minute videos that you can find in the outreach section and including our Compassionate Communities program, which people can find in our advocacy section. Um, Things are hopping here around Lives in the Balance. We are working on a documentary these days that should be done by the end of the year. what can I say? Anything else? What, what, what are your favorite parts of the new website? Oh, gosh. Um, I am still spending time exploring. Um, I had a chance to uh, watch all the two-minute videos this weekend, and they are just terrific. Um, I, uh, I, it, I think... It's just a uh, fabulous uh, resource, and it's all free. It's all free. Um, Let's do the call-in number. It is 347-994-2981. And please press 1. And... um, We've got a bunch of email to get to today, but of course, callers always take priority. We do not have any callers yet. Shall we jump straight into the email? Sure. Here we go. This one says, hello, I'm emailing from the United Kingdom. Uh, I love the messages and resources that uh, Dr. Green has developed, and I have the Explosive Child book. 
I am a parent and family support advisor, and I work with vulnerable families, many of whom struggle with their children's behavior. I have a child and parent I'm working with who fit the frustration description to a T at home. At school, he manages to contain himself pretty well, eight years old, but expresses fears when at home. Um, at home, he is aggressive towards his mom, addicted to screens, and quite fearful. He chews his jumper cuffs and picks his fingers. Mom struggles with transitions and things out of routine. Uh, he struggled in preschool and has in the past had extra support for behavior at school, but he's doing well now. This is a small nurturing school with only two classes. Both our mental health service and schools see this as a parenting issue. Although mom was told by a pediatrician that he has anxiety, I see mom as doing well parenting-wise under challenging circumstances, and her younger daughter is thriving, in my view. The needs don't seem attributed directly to parenting or attachment as suggested. My question is, if he is managing in school and yet struggling at home, does this fit the explosive child model? Any advice or uh, comments would be warmly welcome. Well, we are happy to give them warmly. Um, what I'm reading in this is a bunch of the things that are often said about behaviorally challenging kids. It's attachment, it's poor parenting, it's anxiety. What I'm not seeing is anything from the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems. Um, you know, um, the, the kid does live with somebody, and if that somebody is having difficulty with him, then maybe the parent needs a little bit of extra help. Um, I don't know if either of those diagnoses are going to get people very far. Anxiety speaks more to the way the kid is letting us know that he's having difficulty meeting expectations and attachment or more specifically, reactive attachment disorder tells us about the presumed cause of his difficulties, but neither of those, nor this is a parenting issue, tells us anything about the kid's lagging skills and unsolved problems. And so, um, that's where I would begin. We need uh, to know what's going on with this lad. And um, Susie, any comments on that? Well, just that um, it's a family problem where everyone needs to work together. And um, as our listeners might recall, I was told by the psychologist that my son's aggressive behavior and problems were my fault and... Um, it was just an example of poor parenting. Um, I think that obviously the environment is demanding skills that the child's lagging behind in, and it outstrips his ability to respond in a positive way. So the lenses have to be adjusted, that it's a uh, learning disability of sports, a developmental delay, um, and something that you have to um, work together with your child to figure out what problems are um, getting in the way. 
And I, also the prototypical presentation of um, explosiveness is that it happens at home and not at school. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm not, I'm not reading much that's different about this kid. But let's move on to another one. And Susie, I'm going to have you take this one first because I have to um, take care of, and no, I'm not going to the bathroom. I have to take some care of some business that's going on outside in my office. So I'm going to have you take this one first, and I'll be back in two or three minutes. This one says, I came across the explosive child when I was starting out as a social worker 17 years ago, only to find so much more value in it now that I have my own children, both of them on the spectrum. My question is, I've been working on the worksheets to help my six-year-old son who is struggling in kindergarten, but I'm not sure how to extend this to the school so that they can implement the same approach and help him thrive. At this point, they are fed up with him and getting burned out. Instead, what we are looking to do as our next step is to meet uh, with his pediatrician to look into medication. So sad since this restlessness is mainly due to his energy level. Any suggestion would be helpful. And I will have a suggestion when I come back in two minutes. But, Susie, in the meantime, you're on. All right. Um, I think that it's important to meet with the school and either with the um, counselor or or principal or psychologist and, uh, if if possible, bring in a copy of Lost at School or Lost and Found, um, as well as a unmarked copy of the Assessment of Lagging Skills and Unsolved Problems. Um, I think it's important to try to help the school to understand that it's a learning disability, much like a problem that a child might have with reading or math, and um, you work together with the child to help them um, figure out a solution. Uh, Our school was uh, resistant to my efforts to um, help our son. They thought that he was being coddled and that I was creating a brat, so I understand uh, the level of impatience, but I tried to um, not put the school on the defense and, um, and, you know, explain that the model is backed by 40 or 50 years of research. Um, and we... Uh, eventually had these uh, proactive meetings and uh, collaboratively with the school and my son solved problems that were getting in my son's way. Um, It took time. I had to be the squeaky wheel that... uh, you know, kept track of the meetings and and initiated the meetings. Um, And they were pretty tired of hearing from me, but you do need to advocate for your child. And um, using Plan B, 
is the best way to go about it. Uh, we also um, found that uh, giving my son a little bit of freedom uh, when he was experiencing uh, frustration to leave the classroom and go down to the guidance counselor's office helped um, where my son could regroup and calm himself down and then return to the classroom. Susie? Perfect timing. Yes? Good. Well, I didn't hear anything of what you said, but I'm back. Um, Okay. The interesting thing from this mom is what's the difference between restlessness and energy level? Um, There are kids who do benefit from medication. And I hate to see kids deprived of medication for something that medication does well. Whether a kid needs medication also depends on the degree to which a classroom teacher or a school has tolerance for activity level. And um, we know that teachers do have different tolerances. It also depends on the expectations of the classroom. It's not good. It tells us something about tolerances that... um, They're getting burned out. Um, So fortunately, most of the medications that are used for restlessness and energy level uh, have a relatively benign side effect profile, and they work. Um, We hate to see people getting burned out, but it's always hard to tell whether the activity level is way over the top or whether the folks who are working with the kid at school just have a very low tolerance for that sort of thing. Now, some parents who are reluctant to medicate look for a school that has a higher tolerance for activity level. Some of them find that there are schools and teachers that have higher tolerances, but others find that Um, no matter how tolerant people are of a kid's activity level, the kid is still exceeding what they can manage and having difficulty meeting a lot of expectations because of the activity level. So as our listeners probably know, I'm pretty conservative when it comes to medication, Um, but I actually don't know that I see much difference between restlessness and activity level. Um, And if people are starting to get burned out then it's either time to look for a place that has a higher tolerance or, and I'm going to put it this way for a good reason, we're looking for medication that will help this young lad be a better fit for the tolerances of the people he's with. You know, there's been articles written about um, is this is ADHD, and that's the disorder that, is often given to kids who are 
overactive and restless and have a high energy level? Is it um, related to the kid or is it related to our expectations? Um, I'm a little bit more practical about it. It's the interface between the two. Um, I am somebody who thinks that medication is overprescribed, but I don't want a kid to be deprived of medication for something that medication does well, especially if the side effect profile is relatively benign. So it's never an easy decision. Um, I don't know the difference between restlessness and activity level and energy level. I do think that having people be fed up and getting burned out means something needs to happen. Um, if that something is medication and it helps things go well, part of me would feel bad about that because the school may have done nothing to change. I don't know the story completely, obviously. But there are many, many kids out there these days who are thriving in schools in which people were getting fed up and burned out just because of some stimulant medication that helped them do better. So definitely worth talking to the pediatrician about. Talking to the pediatrician doesn't mean signing off on doing anything. It just means that you are exploring your options. And Susie, I have no idea if any of that was what you said. Uh, no, it wasn't. I just also wanted to add that, you know, the model gave me hope and new energy uh, because of its philosophy that children do well if they can. And um, that helped to restore my, my patience and energy um, to view my child differently and um, that the model is, is so compassionate and kind in its way of thinking. Let's do another one that is along similar lines. I'm going to give the call-in number again. It's 347-994-2981. Here's one that is school-related. As... Say again and press 1. And, and please press 1. Got it. This one says, my son is 8 years old. He has been diagnosed with ADHD, severe oppositional defiant disorder. As for the month of March, my son has been suspended three times, totaling five days. Uh, one day suspension, one one-day suspension and two two-day suspensions. I have tried speaking with the school principal, teacher, and superintendent. All say the same. If he hits us, he will be suspended. This is his fourth school in four years. The school is now, he is now in a special behavioral program. I was told it is the Cadillac of programs, and if anyone can fix him, they can. Well, we are now looking at the entire school year so far, and it has been five suspensions since the beginning. Somehow, in regular classroom, it was only four times. Um, I'm concerned when I hear the principal tell me he doesn't care how my son feels or is thinking during an episode, only for the safety of his staff and other students. This after I asked him why he left my son unsupervised in the classroom, and I quote, there's a window in the door that we can supervise him through. It is the size of a window on death row. Concerning? I think so. I'm unsure as to how I can approach the school system, considering how the principal treats my son on a regular basis. I'm in need of some advice and guidance on how I can ensure my son feels safe and happy while learning at school. Our home life has been excellent. 
which is even more alarming as the school has called both the police and Child Protective Services on me if I don't return their call within 15 minutes. The school, uh, hold on, we have struggled from each school trying to, write the fit, to find the right fit. Can you help us find the right solution? Well, um, I hate to sound like a broken record, but unless we know what his lagging skills and unsolved problems are that are causing him to hit people, then all we'll do is focus on the fact that he's hitting people. Um, suspension is not going to solve the problems that are causing him to hit people. Hitting people is not going to solve those problems either, of course. A diagnosis isn't going to solve those problems. A principal who doesn't care how he thinks or feels during an episode only for the safety of his staff and other students, I understand the perspective, but it's not going to solve any problems or teach any skills. Um, whether this school is the right place given the interventions that they are applying, um, whether they will be receptive to looking at lagging skills and unsolved problems and perhaps getting themselves oriented to the CPS model, perhaps through the walking tour on the Lives in a Balance website, um, we don't know. So I'm very sorry for this mom and her eight-year-old son and what they're going through. Until they find a school that is more oriented toward what skills is this kid lacking and how can we teach them? What problems are causing this kid's challenging behavior and how can we solve them? I fear that um, this pattern will continue and that we will lose a kid. And I'm never happy about losing a kid. Not knowing where this mom lives, I do not know that I have schools that I can connect her with, but um, I do have a website that both she and the school can be connected with. Interesting that in the last one, um, there are kids who are difficult at home and not at school. There are kids who are difficult at school and not at home. This is one of the latter ones. All that tells us is that there are different expectations in both settings and that the kid is having more difficulty meeting the expectations in one setting than in the other. Um, but it all starts with the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems. We won't know if this school will head in that direction until we try. Um, there's my two cents. Susie, I bet you have some sense as well. I do. Um, you wrote an article, Five Ways to Improve School for Behaviorally Challenging Students, that was very helpful, I thought, and that's that can be downloaded on the website. Um, also, some of your books could could help the school, Lost at School and Lost and Found. Um, but I would suggest also that the mom read The Adventures of Stretch More uh, with her child to help him to recognize that there are um, 
it, there's a different way to solve problems that they can work together to resolve problems that are causing challenging behavior. Here's another. This one says, hi, I have a four-year-old son with mild microcephaly, epilepsy, and a host of developmental delays, mostly mild. He is incredibly explosive and frequently hurts himself while tantruming. He has trouble verbalizing and sometimes understanding verbal instructions. Will this work for us? I am desperate to keep our relationship intact, but I am feeling more frustrated and overwhelmed each day. His behavioral challenges make it hard to get homework done, shop, or even go to church. Forget about socializing. He recently broke his bedroom door in a fit of rage. I am at a loss, terrified for his future. Well, um, I'm not reading anything in this uh, brief message that says that CPS won't work. But, and here I go with the broken record thing again. Um, we're not going to know how well collaborative and proactive solutions is going to work for this lad until we use the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems to identify his lagging skills and unsolved problems. And it's once we do that, that we can start trying to solve those problems collaboratively and proactively. It sounds like once he's upset, he can be at the somewhat extreme end of the spectrum in terms of how he is communicating that to us, but that doesn't really tell us much at all about um, how he's going to respond to Plan B. It just says that once he's frustrated, he is responding in ways that are fairly extreme. I mean, ripping off a bedroom door is uh, out there. Um, uh, hurting himself while tantruming is probably out there. Um, so that tells us that he's sending a very strong signal, and he's doing it in ways that are fairly severe, but it doesn't tell us anything about lagging skills and unsolved problems. The main thing in this email that could change things up a little bit is the fact that it sounds like he has some language processing and communication skill delays, and that can sometimes require that we do things a little bit differently in Plan B. Sometimes we have to use pictures, but if this little guy is doing homework already, maybe his language processing skills are intact enough to be able to participate in plan B. Um, but mom, I think you have found the right place and I hope that the Lives in the Balance website and all of the resources there um, can help you not be at a loss and can help you be a little bit less terrified. That's not a bad place to start. Um, you might need some help along the way and there are clinicians, providers listed on my CPS Connection website, cpsconnection.com. If there's somebody in your area, they might be able to be helpful to you as well. Susie, any thoughts on that one? Um, just that our son um, was 
acting out in violent rages as well, and we needed to teach him a vocabulary um, to express his frustration instead of throwing things and hitting. And so um, while we didn't have to use pictures, um, we did teach him, you know, I'm, I'm really mad or it makes me really mad when you do this. Um, we taught him to remove himself and go to another place um, to calm himself down, to count to five. Um, the trick is to not let him get to the point that he's in such a rage that to be very vigilant and to um, head it off at the pass before it gets to that point. And that's why collaborative and proactive solutions is so fabulous because you're solving problems proactively and it helps take the reactivity out of the mix between you and your child. Let us move on to another one. This one says, CPS has been my go-to in our home for a while now with much success. I want the school to get on board with it as their excessive plan A-ing of my child is making her behaviors even more challenging. On the spectrum of looking bad, she's outpacing every other third grader and likely um, all the other kids in her school. Not a wonderful claim to fame, obviously. And it's getting worse. CPS was suggested by the autism consultant on our IEP team, but not implemented. I'm concerned that they will not be receptive, though, as since beginning pushing for it, there's been comments made about it not being the school's job to parent my child. I do not see these aggressive behaviors at home since even my clumsy implementation of Plan B started. Anyway, we're in a really challenging spot. We live in a small town, and most of the parents, along with several teachers, aides, and at least one school board member, seem ready to pick up their pitchforks and torches and chase us out of town. I need help. They're losing my daughter at school. Please help. Well, uh, this is, a, of course, a very troubling one. Um, we've come across a few troubling ones today. They're all troubling today, I think. Mm -hmm. um, the big question is how to get the ball rolling at school. First of all, I'm delighted that mom has been having success with CPS, um, even if what she's calling her clumsy implementation of Plan B is true. Uh, it seems to be getting her somewhere. Um, and I get it that her daughter is looking bad in ways that are more extreme. The problem is that the school... And, of course, we don't know the whole story here, but as telling the story, um, their plan A-ing is not only not making things better, it's making things worse. But the only way to find out if the school is going to be receptive is to um, uh, push a little harder. Um, if it was recommended in the IEP, then that's a leg up in the legal department because if it's in the IEP, it's something the school is supposed to be doing. Um, so that it's not being implemented 
could mean that the school is not in compliance with the IEP. And now um, it's not the job school to parent your child, but it is the school's job to follow what is in the IEP. Plus, uh, it sounds like the very vast majority of expectations that the child is having difficulty meeting uh, do not occur on the parent's watch, but rather on the school's watch. And while there are some school folks left who tend to blame parents for the expectation that a child is having difficulty meeting at school, that actually makes no sense whatsoever since the parent is not at school and because it's not the parent's expectation in the first place. So um, this mom is getting some stuff thrown at her that's not so atypical, but no less tragic just because it happens all the time. Um, uh, we need to see if we can get this school to do CPS. I don't know where mom lives, and so I can't say whether there is a provider in her area who could help out and do some interfacing with the school, but there's a bunch of providers listed on the CPS Connection website. Once again, cpsconnection.com. And um, the list continues to grow as people complete their training in CPS. These are people who are really good at the model. Otherwise, they don't get certified. And um, makes sense to me that uh, we want to see if we can maybe get this mom some help. If there's no provider, she may have to do it on her own. But if the school is not in compliance with the IEP, the mom may need some blocking as well from an educational consultant or an advocate who know perhaps more about the law and IEPs than most parents do. There's my two cents. Mom, our thoughts are with you. Susie, what do you think? Well, like you said, it's an extremely difficult situation, um, and it's very hard when you're meeting with a resistant school an unenlightened school to stay calm and uh, not be defensive. But you just have to you just have to hang in there and and not be defensive about it because you want what's best for your child. Um, I was suggesting that she take a blank copy of the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problem and and with the school people pick two or three unsolved problems and prioritize those and they could they could work on that um but plan a plan aing her as we know uh makes things worse with challenging children um because it's not solving problems or teaching the lagging skills and there you have it um, let's move on to another one. Boy, we're, we are making a nice dent in the emails today, I think. Um, another um, one here. My granddaughter has been living in a residential behavioral treatment center for 10 months. She is safe and getting her high school education, two important things that were not happening while she was living with her mom. There are many unsolved problems remaining. Her mom and I have recently been informed that whenever she has a home visit and goes shopping, she is shoplifting. She says everyone does it and it is no big deal. So far, she has not gotten caught by any of the stores where she has shoplifted. 
We've just become aware of this from a friend who was with her when she was shoplifting. I am confused. Shoplifting is the unsolved problem, right? But what skills is she lacking? How would you handle something like this if it were your 16-year-old teen? Well, um, shoplifting is the behavior, difficulty um, respecting the property of stores might be the unsolved problem. That's a wording issue. But you're on to the right thing here as it relates to what the unsolved problem is. Um, it doesn't really matter what skills she's lacking. I wouldn't worry about that too much. You've got a problem to solve. There might be multiple lagging skills that are contributing to that unsolved problem, and you don't necessarily need to figure out with great precision which one it is. Truth is that is a very difficult thing to establish with great precision, so I wouldn't try. You've got yourself an unsolved problem, um, and it's time to do Plan B. Now, you can read all about how to do Plan B and watch streaming video on it in the walking tour on the Lives in the Balance website in the Parents section. You can find that in the Outreach section of the website. Um, but we've already heard a little bit this granddaughter's perspective on this unsolved problem. Everyone does it, and it's no big deal. She's fortunate that she hasn't gotten caught, otherwise she would know what a big deal it is. Um, we don't want her to get caught to know what a big deal it is, but um, one of the things that, uh, well, what I would do is plan B. And in the adult concerns section, and as it relates to a solution, um, I would probably feel very strongly that, um, well, number one, how it affects her, she could eventually get caught and would have a legal record. As it relates to how it's affecting others, well, the store is losing money every time she takes something. Somebody could actually be getting into trouble when she takes something. And um, whatever justification we want to use, whether it's biblical or moral or otherwise, stealing is not okay. Um, even if everyone does it, and it's no big deal, it's a big deal to the caregivers, and that needs to be expressed as well, along with something related to the fact that, um, well, we feel strongly that given how uh, it affects others, that um, property that is taken without being purchased is not ours and should probably be returned to whoever owns it, namely the store. So this is very plan Bable. I would word the unsolved problem a little bit differently, and I wouldn't worry about which lagging skill it is. Um, that part doesn't matter at this point. You've got yourself a problem to solve. Time to get down to work. Susie, what are your thoughts on that one? Uh, well, I just love the video that you have on the Lives in the Balance website that addresses uh, such a problem. Um, but what you said sounds like pretty terrific advice, and there's not a whole lot that I would add. There you go. Let's move on to another one. Susie, I think we're not getting any phone calls today, but that's okay. We're making a very nice dent in the email trail here. 
Here's one more. Um, this might be a quick one, so we might have time for two more. Uh, hold on, I just lost it. Where did I put it? There it is. Uh, is there any validity to diet and or to chiropractic care being helpful with my extremely rigid, frustrated, and explosive child? I guess I just don't want to leave a stone unturned. Um, the answer to both is possibly. Possibly. And that may go somewhat against the scientific literature, except that I've seen literature talking about chiropractic helping with behavior at times, and I have seen literature that diet is helpful times. I have seen anecdotally diet be helpful. Anecdotally, I'm trying to remember if I've seen chiropractic care being helpful. And the answer is I can't remember. But diet, for sure, I have seen kids with... Um, well, for example, uh, well, no, just not to be too specific, but kids with dietary changes that have made a significant impact on their behavior. That's not going to be most behaviorally challenging kids, but I have seen it with some behaviorally challenging kids. So in the leaving no stone unturned department, there's probably no harm in exploring those I would say that um, I wouldn't um, stick with those till the cows come home, but I th do think that they're worth exploring. I actually, quite frankly, wouldn't stick with many interventions that are well implemented until the cows come home. You know, a big part of what we do in the research literature is try to figure out what works for who. And to tell you the truth, as it relates to this population of kids, we're not that great at knowing that yet. Um, but there's my two cents. Susie, you get to throw in your two as well if you want. All right. Um, our son, uh, one thing that really affected him and uh, made things worse was when he got too hungry. So... It was my job not to let him get too hungry. Um, each kid has their own needs, and, you know, you figure out what that is. But um, I just felt that was one of the things that I could do as a parent to help him, um, a little thing, but yet it was still pretty important uh, for him to get through his day. There you go. I think we have time for one more. Uh, this one says, hi, I'm new to the CPS model. I'm working my way through the walking tour and um, just watched the actual ALSIP meeting video, which I found very helpful in my understanding. I especially liked how you characterized the fact of an autism diagnosis in your dialogue with the parents in the ALSIP video. Essentially, that's fine, but not particularly relevant for our purposes today. In this light, I wonder if you might offer some assistance to parents like me in a similar situation as regards how to best manage the professionals, psychologists, teachers, school administrators who insist on taking a behavioral approach to our children. And by best manage, I mean 
communicate with them in a way that allows us to put forward CPS approaches without getting into school of psychology religious wars, but also perhaps as importantly maintain our own sanity in a world that is telling us to focus on what's broken about our children and not how to improve their lot. Um, here's the deal. Um, applied behavior analysis is a proven treatment for kids on the autism spectrum. I find it especially relevant for kids at what they would call the low-functioning end of the autism spectrum. The autism spectrum, because they changed it up back in 2013, has become such a smorgasbord of different levels of functioning that it is um, hard to tell what um, we're dealing with if we simply say what, that a child is on the autism spectrum at this point. And you haven't clarified that in your message either. So here's what I'm going to say across the board. I find ABA to be useful for um, kids at the lower functioning end of the autism spectrum. For the higher functioning end, I find CPS to be extremely helpful. Doesn't mean that they have to work to the exclusion of each other, but just remember, if all we're doing is extrinsic, all we're doing is managing rewards and punishments and coming up with solutions on our own, we are not involving the child, nor even coming close to involving the child, in uh, solving the problems that affect his life. We are not setting the stage for it to happen. We are not doing anything that will someday make it happen. And so even if a child is responding well to ABA, if that kid is going to someday be able to participate in solving problems that affect his life, we need to give CPS a shot as well. Not a war. Truth is, collaborative and proactive solutions comes, at least in the distant past, from the very same models. They fit under the same umbrella, believe it or not, as applied behavior analysis. The big difference is that for many ABA practitioners, and not all, by the way, um, the kid is not involved in helping us figure out what's getting in the way, and the kid has no input whatsoever when it comes to the solution. Otherwise, believe it or not, ABA and CPS share many similarities. I'm writing an article on that with a, a, a board-certified behavior analyst right now, and um, hopefully that article will be posted on the website by next year to help lots of people who've run into the same thing. It should not be a religious war. We don't want to leave kids out of the loop on solving the problems that affect their lives, and we don't want to leave them out of the loop on providing us with the information that we need about what's really going on. Susie, on that, night, since, on that point, since we are now way over time, I think we're going to call it a day. Thank you for participating as always. Thank you, and take care. Talk to you all in a month. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.